You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Cranky? Uh, I've been in better moods, Grump. Just got back from watching uh, Game 4. Nick's, uh, they're just not as good as Miami, and um, very aggravating. So I'm coming off, uh, I'm sure a lot of you who are listening to this probably feel the same way I do, so... I'm not rehashing what you already saw and what you are kind of figuring out after, um, you know, four games. But uh, tough weekend, Grump. You know, our hockey teams are gone. Basketball Speak is hanging out. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess you're still. Uh, I just what enjoyed you... an eight an eight goal win. You did? They won tonight? Uh, last night. Last night? Yesterday, yesterday afternoon, they won eight to four. Oh, all right, good job. And uh, that was it was kind of cool. They had the little kid, Luke Hughes, had to get called up due to injury, so he played in a playoff game. He's like twenty. Yeah. So and he got an assist. Nice, nice. Well, we'll 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 leave this preamble part of the show by saying um, <laughs> congrats to the uh, last place Yanks. Big win tonight over Oakland. But uh, let me know when Garrett Cole is actually good. When, you know. That's all I have to say. <laughs> nice job yesterday. Moving forward. Um, <laughs> wait, man, the July episodes of this show go right into the uh, the Rays rants. So um, <laughs> for all those of you enduring that little ribbing, just wait till the Rays go on like a seven-game losing streak and you will, you'll hear it from him. So. so the biggest news for the Giants this weekend probably is – Nothing to do with practice itself, but Dexter Lawrence got his contract. So this was kind of surprising, I thought. He got a four-year extension. He signed until he's 30. It's only kind of surprising because it happened so quickly. I mean, it's it's funny how that Michael Lombardi story of uh, this, the disease of me creeping in and specifically mentions Dexter Lawrence um, just completely unraveled. He didn't reset the market. He didn't wait. This didn't get dragged out. I mean, minicamp, he didn't even need to be there. He doesn't need to be at OTAs either. Uh, and that's not for another couple weeks. Already signed, done, hugging coaches, hugging hey, GM on the field. We don't know how everybody ticks, you know? Some people are just they want the they want the stability and not having it hang over their heads. I mean, we've seen a lot of players who, you know, that is a heavy burden worrying about free agency coming up, you know. It impacts how they prepare for a season, how they may not go hundred percent because they're worrying about their contract. He just feels that if it's a done deal and we we're, we it's behind us and we look forward to the season, hey, that's him. I thought you were gonna make a joke about how he already had some Clemson money. <laughs> um, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so this year he's gonna continue earning his ten point seven five million, and it will be the same against the cap. I think we don't have all the details of the year by year breakdown. Uh, but it is a $90 million extension for another four years. $60 million is guaranteed. The average annual salary is going to be 22.5. So he did not reset the market. He's right in line at the top. 
where this kind of so for the next four years i how do you feel about dexter lawrence being here until he's 30 like does that seem like a good spot as a drop-off do you think that he's in line for probably another contract after that that's like a two to three year deal what do you think um i i I think that's a pretty fair number i mean if we see increased development increased productivity in the next couple of years as he's really really getting into the prime of his career but i i think that sounds for what he is i think that's a fair point where you can make a decision i'm good with it yeah i honestly think it's a it's a perfect spot for a cutoff um i do think that you know having just hit okay he's been very good since he's come into the league he's been worth his first round moniker he just didn't have a numbers production, especially on several bad teams. He didn't have the numbers production that jumped off to the national spotlight. Last year he did. He's in a much more aggressive defense, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. A million other things. He had an offense that scored some points sometimes. All, all kinds of things yeah. that benefited him. Um, I could see him, though. I mean, like, there were clear improvements in his game. I could see him hitting this stride for a couple of years and still barring any kind of big major injury that might hinder his career up for at the end of this contract. I don't think he'll get another extension, but I think at the end of this contract, whether he is seeking another you know, stint in New York or just elsewhere, I think he'll hit the market again and hit another contract for about two to three years uh, in the, the upper middle of the pack for defensive tackles it's a position that always has high value and and, and big contracts are gained from um let me ask you what do you what is what what does this mean to you as far as the future of leonard williams on this team nothing okay um so in context for this year and i guess for the next couple of years Leonard williams is only signed through this year he will be 30 as a free agent after this offseason um, I think that how Leonard Williams performs and how healthy he is at the end of this year will dictate his chances of returning here. Um, I think that there's mutual interest. I do. Um, he's like made some comments, and I think that he m- m- slipped out something a little bit more honest than he meant to, and kind of that he he was really interested in remaining in new york i think he understands the marketability of new york and his contract is ending at the end of this year the team is currently on an upswing right i mean if they continue that i think he would be interested in staying perhaps for a little bit less money than he could make on the on the open market um whether the team wants him back or not i think it's just going to depend on his availability and his performance this year Uh, he is going to be 30 there's a chance he's hurt really bad again this year it's going to uh, not again, but uh, although I think he had an ACL injury in college, so I, I, see I don't know. I, I as I get older, I start looking at things more and more towards the player's perspective than I do just as a fan of the team that I like. And to me, when you're going to be 30 years old and you have the opportunity for one more, and there's a market for you, you know. That extra couple of million may not seem like a big deal to me or you, but it's really, you know. I mean, it's I'm, how, I'm, I'm it's extrapolating off of what he said. I'm not really. Yeah. That has nothing to do with me as a fan. And I, I also take what people say with incredible amounts of grains of sand. Well, so what I, 
I would too, uh, but when I say he was caught off, what they kind of tried to clarify what he said, and he kind of corrected his statement, where, like I said, it felt more like it was coming from a position of honesty, and then was like, ah, I really should be, this is like agent details, I shouldn't be answering this question kind of thing. Right, right, um, right. Like I said, I think that there is mutual interest. I'm not saying that he's going to accept a lowball offer to stay here. Um, right. And I, I I think that mutual interest is only mutual so long as he remains productive here. I think the interest sure. is tepid on both sides. Yeah. Um, they're feeling each other out. So, yeah, there's a chance. I don't think either side is willing to even discuss it right now. They don't want to hear it. They want to wait till the end of this year. Right? That's called negotiation 101. If there's no reason to go to the table, you don't. Yeah. Uh, Rakeem Nunez Roaches is signed through 2025. He'll be 32 years old at that point. Uh, there is a dead out after this year, so they're protected against him being a bust signing, although I don't think he will be in a spot role. But I don't think he'll ever expand beyond a spot role. So, I mean, when we're talking about the context of this Dexter Lawrence extension, Nacho is still going to be a spot role guy. Don't expect an increased workload. And, uh, you know, Ashawn Robinson signed only through this year amazing that he's only going to be 29 yeah interesting it, it just feels like he's been around for longer than that doesn't it? it it does i mean i know these guys are signed for spot roles but again we we just kind of talked about like a leonard williams that if he has another serious injury well a serious injury puts a, a one of those guys thrusts them from being spot guys to having much bigger roles the, yeah, yeah, when you're talking about this year uh yeah. i mean yeah in the full context of four years, there's really nobody else that Dexter Lawrence is guaranteed to be playing alongside. That's Except correct. for, really, Nacho in a spot role. Should not expand his role to being a starting spot. Right. And DJ Davidson, Jordan Riley, who are draft picks and, from last year, this year, and one of which is coming off of an ACL injury. And, and quite honestly, if you're just looking at them in terms of, well, a spot guy for here and there... It's hard for me to think they're going to be around for four years and be trying to upgrade that from what his role is to something better. And it indicates to me that there might be a load of defensive line talent that's going to be in the upcoming draft or free agency that they'll seek. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might be an, uh, a big influx of defensive line talent in the draft next year. I'm going to get to work on that. Um, Agree. <laughs> uh, or the other thing is aside from Dexter Lawrence that they view as an asset to this team going forward no matter what, do you think they're anticipating needing a new defensive coordinator in a few years and don't want to commit to anyone long-term that's merely scheme-specific to Wink Martindale? I don't know because, you know, the next guy who come in, they might try to find a defensive coordinator who's, you know, very similar in scheme approach as Wink. They they might be, this is the kind of, uh, this is the kind of defense we want to run here. So... The league changes so fast and rosters change so fast. I don't think you can really worry about that as you're building from year to year. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not worried about it. I'm asking, do you think no. the fact that besides Dexter Lawrence, just about everybody is only signed for one to two years, does that indicate the fact that they're anticipating needing to have a new defensive coordinator due to him getting promoted as a head coach elsewhere or just the job? I, I don't think so. I think okay. that's something that's in the back of the mind of every general manager for every team that a coordinator and or a head coach may not be with them in two years or whatever. So I don't think they planned that far in advance based on coach. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was something interesting to kick oh, around. Cause oh, sure. I do think that he's going to entertain head coaching offers at the end of this year anyway. 
I would say that he's probably, if I had a crystal ball, was he the defensive coordinator on this team in two years? I would say most likely not. Agreed. Most likely, most likely either because he's got a coaching, a head coaching job somewhere or very small chance, you know, where the defense just sucks for two years and he gets fired. Or let's say, you know, head coach leads for some other job. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that somebody has a, you know, a godfather, uh, offer for him to go somewhere else who knows um my point is i i i, I think that uh his his time here every every year we get from him is going to be a, a bonus yeah i think i agree with that yeah giants also re-signed o'shane Ziminis this weekend uh i think at this point that's just sort of a the giants didn't end up with an edge rusher in this draft they didn't really grab they didn't really grab an edge rusher and undrafted free agent scramble at the end of the draft yeah uh he already knows the system i he might not even make the team still i mean we'll we'll see um great he's a placeholder yeah his inability to play the run is really just i mean as a pass rusher he's not awful he produces in some regard um but god what year is this for him um four this would be his fourth year? Fourth or fifth. I'm trying to think. I can't remember if he's a 2018 or 2019 draft class. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he was like a Gettleman fourth-round pick. I want to say he was yeah. 2018. Um, it doesn't matter. He never really developed into, like, an edge setter, uh, run defender, um, and he never really blossomed as a pass rusher either. He has some traits. He flashes at times. Um and I think that had we grabbed an edge rusher in this draft, just the way the draft board fell, he would there wouldn't even be a second thought that he'd be gone. You know something? He could be a there could be a um, training camp cut down. We pick up somebody and never makes it to opening day. Hundred percent, absolutely true. I mean, he yeah. may also lose out in a numbers game to whatever defensive lineman just and and you know defensive sure. ends just make the initial 53 so he, he shouldn't be making a down payment on a house in the north jersey area right now um as far as minicamp itself goes this weekend not a whole lot to report other than really high attendance really high attendance so you had 2023 draft picks in attendance uh undrafted free agents that were signed in attendance local tryouts and then there were some players on the current roster that were there as well um, no bark right no no Barkley. Um, Being official. The day three picks, I believe, have all signed their contracts. Day one and two guys have not yet, but that is fairly typical. Mm-hmm. Um, and also interesting of day one and two guys, not a whole lot of contact stuff. So John Michael Schmitz, just in general, he's not going to – old linemen, like they're not going to have a lot of contact in minicamp. It's just kind of snapping work? and running against the air. They they sign like a like a insurance waiver or something to get. Well, once through. you sign your contract, you the contract has all of the medical stuff involved. Right. But if you because, haven't yet, yeah, um, you do sign a waiver that covers. It's like a blanket umbrella, under the assumption of, and it's the uh, the same or similar insurance coverage, whatever. But gotcha. in general, I think, uh, well, Brian Dable addressed it. So the 
Jalen Hyatt and Deontay Banks did individual drill stuff. They just didn't do any seven-on-seven stuff. Brian Dable said that had to do with a lot of training specifically for the combine and traveling and flying all over the country. They didn't want to do anything that might, you know, lead to incidental contract, contact, tied-up legs, that sort of thing. Gotcha. Um, and it's minicamp, so who gives a shit? They did individuals. It's good enough. Right. Um, what was mentioned is that Jalen Hyatt was a possible option for returning punts. Uh, I wanted your thoughts on that. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to the conversations we had last year was, do you want somebody who's going to be a very important piece to your offense or defense being put at risk in a position like punt returner? Uh, I don't know. I am very hesitant. I, to me, Punt returner, the – and this is – I think this is goes back to one of your axioms last year. If you're not making a real all-out effort to have great special teams, just make sure you have special teams that don't fuck up things. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to risk you know, a, a, a major position of need that you spent a high draft pick on with the potential of getting hurt. That's just me. Well, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm never going to leave that axiom is that – if you're not going to truly invest in the specialists, like the returner itself, I mean, you don't have to invest in full good special teams, but don't try and force a lightning rod there by taking a starter in an important position. Like, there are cheap options. The Dallas Cowboys took the USFL MVP and made him a megastar specialist. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it costs them a whole lot to grab him uh, in the grand scheme of things. Also, just you know, use one of your seventh-round draft picks to get somebody who is a star punt returner in college or something like that. As far as it goes, you know, the the other options that were mentioned were Darnay Holmes and Adoree Jackson. As far as Jalen Hyatt goes, I don't regard him as a super important piece of the offense for 2023. So I'm more okay with it than Adoree Jackson, who I think is a bona fide like if he gets hurt i have no idea how the defense is going to function if jalen hyatt gets hurt i uh, i know how the offense is going to function they did with they, they did okay with a lot worse last year and i would i would view somebody like wandell robinson as being more staple to the offense than jalen hyatt but only mm-hmm. kind of for this year i mean i don't think you sink a third round pick into a speed specialist or anything like that so i think they have like an upside view of Jalen Hyatt. So I still don't love it. I, I lean on that axiom, but I don't know. I just feel like in all the undrafted free agents and all the local tryouts, there's nobody that can return punts. Well, nobody, even yeah. if that's the only thing they can do, I just don't get it. Seems strange, right? It's like kind yeah. of watching, you know, just somebody who has a, like a college just have like a, an atrocious kicker. It's like, you can't find somebody who can hit an extra point. <laughs> they can't hit a 17 yard kick it's that that specialized there's only 25 people that can do this thing there's not even 30 same thing the other thing is with Jalen Hyatt I'm not even sure he'd be good at punt returning he's not really good at like anything like shake and bake you know what I mean he's very straight ahead uh so I don't even know that this conversation is worth having like I, I don't know what their option is at punt returner i think they're all bad options yeah so i agree um on twitter adam Schefter broke uh new scheduling rules for the nfl uh that happened just today uh, only a couple of hours before we're recording this 
and uh, th- I, they're certainly all interesting. And this, I, I don't even think this is the complete list. I think he said among them are, and then he had like four bullet points. But I do want to talk about them because I think they're yeah, interesting, uh, and I think I, some of them suck. So I I love the schedule. I know I know you don't, you know, you're not as much into it as I am because I, you know, again, a big part of my fall is where I'm going and what games I want to go to and. This NFL schedule dictates a lot of that, so I always get very excited about it and how things are going to happen. You know, in the second the Giants are halfway relevant, you know, goodbye one o'clock Sunday. You know, hello Sunday night, hello Monday night, hello Thursday. So let's talk about these uh, changes and see how that affects us. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't like not like the schedule. I just think that the NFL has a lot of bad scheduling quirks and they are not even interested in fixing them, uh, and they oh. frustrate me. Um, like, I don't think I complained much about the schedule last year. Uh, they no. had a shitload of one o'clock games, and I think that rules. Yeah, so. well, I mean, <laughs> there was not much hope and expectation for the Giants to be, you know, nearly what they ended up last year. And, you know, does a national audience want to see a bad team? I mean, how many, how many awful Denver games did we have to watch last year because of a name of Russell Wilson? You know, the, well, hang on, you're getting, you, you, you chill out. Um, for, for, okay, so here are the four things, and we'll take them bullet by bullet, but yeah. I'm going to list them all first. Um, the NFL will have a Black Friday game for the first time ever. Um, games are no longer to be tied directly to a network. Games are considered free agents, which was an odd choice of words and in quotes by him. Um, <laughs> teams can now be on Thursday night football twice in one year. And... Not all teams are guaranteed to have a primetime spot. So let's take them one by one. First one, NFL will yeah. have a Black Friday game for the first time ever. Uh, let's hear it. Love it. Go on. Love it. I, you know, I remember, everybody remembers the Doug Flutie game, you know, that we had the, the, the miracle Hail Mary throw at the end of the game. People have people don't remember, that was a Black Friday game. That was the day after Thanksgiving. You know, and, you know, we're all, we're all, most of us are off, you know, on Friday, and we don't like to shop, and we like to sit around, you know, watching football. And there's usually some pretty decent college games on. SEC does a good job, you know, having a pretty decent SEC game. I like having football on, and that's that's one of the best weekends of the year. That's always rivalry Saturday in college. You know, it's Florida, Florida State, Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you know, we're watching three games on Thursday. Let's watch an NFL game on Friday, get into that college Saturday, and then Sunday, Monday. So I'm all for it. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't really care about this one. Uh, I think that – I think it's, it's cool because, like you said, like most people are – I mean the football public, you know, it, which is like off on Sunday, off on weekends, like, you know, whatever. Most likely going to be off Thursday, Friday for – uh, Thanksgiving and Black Friday. We're sitting around with not much to do. Black Friday is not really what it used to be. Also, I don't think men really ever gave too much of a shit about Black Friday other than like a 4 a.m. rush for TV. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm like kind of for it, but at the, at the same time, I think that this is somewhat unnecessary and it's just another early week game, which the NFL well, has shown they do not give a fuck if that is a bad product or not. So, I mean, it just hits me right there. Have they said that that's going to be a primetime game or a during-the-day game? Uh, What I said is all I know. It will be a Black Friday game for the first time ever. What difference does that make? 
I mean, if it's something that's on during the day, afternoon, like, you know, a lot of those college games, which I was mentioning, they're usually on in the afternoon. Um, again, Florida, Florida State last year was a night game on Friday, but usually like there's like a good LSU old Miss game or when Arkansas was good. They, like that, that level, and those were always were afternoon games. So I'm, I'm curious if they're going to try to capitalize on it being a holiday and playing during the day on Friday or that'd be a, a Friday night game. I have a feeling it's going to be a Friday night game, but I think you could make a really good case for hitting the Friday afternoon. Yeah, like the um, four o'clock would be nice. Uh, but I, I think also that like by Friday night, like I do think there is still like an online component to Black Friday that like a lot of deals are like lightning deals and, and whatever. And uh, I, oh, yeah. I think I think most of that shit is usually over by nighttime. So if they wanted to, they could avoid competing with college football and shopping by hitting the prime time so you know yeah. whatever either way but 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 for me the the drawback here is that it's just another early week game and the nfl sucks at them they don't care about them they they do not care about how good that product is going they don't to care be. about player safety and they don't care about the quality of the product on the field as long as they have inventory they yeah, exactly it. so it's going to be one of those things that they know everyone's going to watch because everybody's off and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad yeah sucks yeah. And, it, and you know what really sucks? I wouldn't want to go to that game. I mean, I, it's cool that I'm guaranteed to have it off. I just wouldn't want to go to it, that game. It would be awful. I mean, for, again, I, all I think about is myself. I'm yeah, I mean, getting like, on the train and shit. Think uh, well, about that. I'm thinking it's, you know, Thanksgiving. I try to... Oh, you'd uh, be gone, right? Yeah, I'd be gone. I mean, but I always... We kind of coordinate our Thanksgiving plan based upon... Is it a home game in Gainesville for Florida, Florida State, which would be this year it's a home game. So we are probably going to be out west for Thanksgiving. And I have to fly back to get back to Gainesville by Saturday. And if there's a Friday home game at the Meadowlands, I, I, I don't think I can even make it. I mean, what, what, what do you do? Do you have Thanksgiving dinner and take a red eye Thursday night to get back to the Meadowlands? I, so I'm hoping that uh, – and also, I, I, I think, you know, the mayors have said in the past, like, they are adamantly opposed to us hosting a Thanksgiving game. So maybe that applies for Friday as well. I, I don't know. Hopefully not. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was going to say, you know, what sucks cock is the the marketability <laughs> of before and after cutting to commercial showing the live feed of, like, Fifth Ave on Black Friday. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. I Again, I, I don't know. It's not – of all the scheduling rules, it's not – going to move the needle too much for me i do think it has some upsides to it i personally don't do a whole lot on black friday i enjoy that day uh doing absolutely nothing actually i'm always i'm always traveling so it's just like hopefully it works out <laughs> that's you know um games are no longer tied to a network games are free agents my first thought before you even react is is the NFL creating some kind of like bidding war with networks as to certain matchups? Like, are they going to uh, release the schedule and then just kind of highest bidder it? Absolutely. Because so, all right. So, when, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I just wanted to confirm that first, based on the the language, the specific language of free agents implied money. Um, so, just as my immediate reaction is, it seems like more network cash flow is going to be going to the right to broadcast rather than the broadcast itself. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Our coverage is going to start sucking even more. Well, remember, you know, the NFL doesn't care about what the individual rating is of a game or something or how much they squeeze out. They care about the rights. They they don't get the money from 
right? At, you know, advertising for things. I mean, better ratings mean they can have higher bidding fee, or, you know, rights fees, and which could pass down through everything. But I mean, I, I, when do the when do these contracts expire? So if this is something they're planting the seed now for bidding, basically for the next contract. I mean, the contract. Yeah, I mean, is, I'm, I'm not I'm not flipping out over this or whatever, but I just I no, don't no, no. I don't see the long term upside of this. This seems like a bad idea. Well, <laughs> look at it in terms of it will have the salary cap jump up a little bit more. There will be more revenue to be split among, among the teams. So if you look at it that possible I way. mean, I guess. That, that if, you look at, if you look at any rule change through that lens, you will see the positive 100% of the time. So I try not to look at it through that lens. They literally yeah. change every rule – the, the bottom line increases. That's every single rule change they make. Yeah, so they're in a business. Yeah, they're but exactly I mean, I get it. I'm just saying I'm never going to look at it through that lens. It's not going to be no, helpful. No, my, my point is that this new bidding thing, they're not doing – they're doing it – there's not – there can't be a financial component for these contracts now. I think it's really going to be in effect once these new contracts come out. Hmm. I mean if the – if CBS has the AFC, you know, they have the AFC. I, I don't I don't understand how they can kind of go in and say going forward unless you well, know this... I, I think this might have the immediate impact I think I think long term we're we're talking about what what you're saying about when the contracts are up uh, right. all that stuff. But I think the immediate thing has to do maybe with like flexibility into time slots that are owned by one network. See, that's something I think is really gonna happen. More so than the free agency of what network. I think you're gonna right. see more and more flexing. You are going to see more. So, like flexing from Monday night, you know, to a different network. They will no longer get the matchup or, or something. I, I don't know. I think you're going to see more, like, more. You're going to see. You're going to see more and more flexing, like how they do it for college. They're, you're going to start seeing, and I mark my words, this will happen at some point. On November fifteenth, week eleven, it's going to be Giants at Dallas. When the schedule comes out, time to be announced. And they will, you know, that you won't even know what time is it—a one o'clock, a four o'clock, or an eight o'clock—until you get closer. You know, college football does it a lot of these weeks. There's a seven-day window. I mean, I've been to Gainesville and be like, I don't know what time the game is next week. And then you know, then they have that seven-day window saying it's going to be at noon or at seven thirty or whatever. So I think that's the way they're going. I think they want maximum flexibility, and they, you know, you will see. In the not too distant future, you will never see a turd game in November, or December in prime time. You are going to see, you know, replacing. I have to have Aaron Rodgers on Monday night. You're going to see two teams that are eleven and three or whatever. So, but for the networks themselves, I mean, let me ask you, Grump. What network do you prefer watching a game on as far as the announcers, the presentation, all that stuff? Do you prefer Fox, CBS? Nope. Or maybe not, like in, none of them. Or, they they are all terrible. Uh, I, I I mean I guess my, my overall preference probably goes Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN in that order. And, but if you want to throw in like the college networks for football coverage, I don't think ABC does a bad job at all. I think they're. I, I I hate their um, SEC coverage. I think it's awful. Uh, I think it's still leaps and bounds better than ESPN's coverage and potentially yeah. NBC's coverage as well. It's yeah, hard to it, tell with NBC because 
they only have the Sunday night marquee and they try so desperately to get mom, dad, and the kids paying attention yeah, that it's they, not real football coverage, so it's it's hard to compare. But honestly, to to be honest, I if they had come up with a way to make the matchups as free agents or up for grabs or not to be a, assigned at discretion or some some way where they could turn the competition of networks into a competition that leads to better broadcasting, I'd be all for it. Because I think it's terrible across the board. I think all of the money gets dumped into getting celebrity announcers and no money gets to delivering a better product whatsoever. Uh, I think every network does a pretty piss poor job. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, in the 70s, you know, Howard Cosell used to blast uh, Don Meredith. Yeah. Because he was an athlete he wasn't a reporter yeah. or a or a a broadcaster by trade and now i mean honestly can you name a color commentator that is not either a former player or a former coach not even that they're not even an insight i mean like i i think that there's some insight that can be brought but it's always this i mean like there is tons of the NFL game that can, like I could go on. I really don't want to make this whole episode about this, so I'm going to try and keep this brief. But there's tons of aspects of the NFL game that can be explained by people other than the quarterback. Like there is no reason why there isn't an intelligent and and communicative, communicative, um, whatever, uh, someone who is able to articulate well and speak well and announce the game well. That's not a former O-lineman that can give you tons of insight that nobody else ever gives. There's so much of the game that is dependent on the O-line. There's so much of the game that's de- that, that a defensive back can give you perspective. And like Rondé Barber is like the only one I can think of. And he's not that good. I mean, they're, they're just – they don't even have to be stars. You could be a former player that's not a star but understands the game well and can speak well, and that will be good enough. There's two problems. The big problem, I think, is that these games are all nationally broadcast. They are not local announcers. They are not. And the problem is you they do not cover a team like if you're watching baseball and you have your same announcers who do all right. 162 games. They know the beats of a team. The, the teams, everybody who watches that, they know the beats of their announcers. When you have these national crews that are just kind of like freelancing from game to they game, they hit you with the week one storylines. Like it, you've been hearing it, it for a year already. Exactly, it's very high level. And then the other problem with that is that in this world, and we are part of that world, we're more active than some others. Is that in this specialized world of podcasts and blogs and, and all of that stuff? If you are engaged in that, you listen to a podcast or you do a podcast or you you subscribe to this newsletter or you follow this, you know, whatever, you know more than they do. And it's frustrating you, to listen to them say right, the wrong it, thing all game long. It, it's what's killing sports radio because those guys are all generalists. Like there are no sports radio shows that are okay, Giants from three to five. It's Sports talk with Wally and the Beaver or whatever you know names they are, and they're just they're trying to know a little of everything, and you, you know it dumbs down the, the conversation. So I, I I think you know in this world we have now where it's micro information being assimilated and processed and, and consumed, when you get to this generalist stuff, it just all sounds awful, and to our ears. Now the problem I think I think the argument against that is for every one of you know, Grump and Crank and, you know, 
Bobby and Justin and all the, these guys, there's 5,000 just people who only watch football on Sunday. And I think we're going to lose that because they are trying to be journalists. Your point about NBC, they want to be basically the Ed Sullivan show. Everybody sits around the table on Sunday night and watches their show. I mean, and, well, um, I mean, that's just because that's the, the, the night spot. I mean, I, I hit, okay. With the other two things, I do kind of want to wrap this up, but like teams can be on Thursday night football twice. What do you think? I think it's awful. Okay. I think you should be on it once. I mean, again, I don't even think it should exist under its current rules. They they clearly don't protect the teams that have to play those games. Yeah, if you want to be on there twice a week, there should be some sort of rule that you get a bye week. You know, I think you, should, you know either a, a bye week or before or after. I mean, you need time to prepare for a game, and you also need time. Well, you don't need one after because if you have Thursday, then you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You just need that week before and that yeah. yes that will limit you to only weeks one through ten so what i feel like that's plenty um this kind of and then you know not all teams are guaranteed to have a prime time spot i think that's like, fine the other thing the other thing feels like a cowboy rule is because the cowboys are locked in every thanksgiving thursday yes it's it does like, feel like a cowboy I, we need to have the cowboys again for another opportunity for prime time so Obviously, all of this is revenue-based. All of this is revenue-based. All of it is revenue-based. And it it really is a direct result to them, you know, in like 30 years of watching football, it felt like they have – their schedule maker gurus have always gotten it really good and they've always had good ratings. And last year, a couple of free agent moves completely fooled them and – this is it. Like that's it. Rule changes. You guys fucked up. We we can't. We need to have protections in place in case you guys screw up again, and we we've got you know a bad team scheduled for eleven primetime games. First of all, the ticket holder rule loses out big time in all of these rule changes. The ticket holder rule loses out big time. There's nothing more frustrating than being like, oh, so suddenly we have a good team, so all of our you know December games got flexed to nighttime. That's, and I would argue that prime time, their their assumption of when prime time is is not so good. Like, I guess nationally the eight p.m. start is pretty solid, but if you work in an office, ask I like eighty five percent of people who don't have a vested even some that have a vested interest in a team, but eighty five percent of them don't make it through the whole game because it starts too late. After or, a long day, after the last day of the weekend, they don't make it through the whole game. What about the guy in the West Coast? Well that's who, that's what I said nationally. The first half of the game at least because he's still in the office and game starts Who the hell was in the office on Sunday? Are you talking about like I the Sunday about, like, night the thir- game. I thought you were talking about the Thursday game. No, well I mean I was or saying Monday, or the Monday prime time spot, the prime time spot or whatever of, of 820. Oh, the, the Sunday. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I, I mean, I, I do get the West Coast thing. I understand that. But I mean, nobody gives a shit that the West Coast has to get up at, at 830 to see the East Coast games. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have made a calculated decision that the needs of the 20 million people who watch each week are more important than the 60,000 in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I just, I, I'm not really sure that they really maximize the prime time in general. I don't really know. Uh, what do you mean? I just, like I said, I don't think that like a lot of people make it through the end of the game. 
Yeah, but they also they don't care about that. It's like, you know, what what advertising rates do you get through the first half and, and through the third quarter? Because you know something, so. if, the, if the game's a blowout, people aren't aren't tuning in anymore. The game's a bad matchup; they're probably not tuning in as much anyway. So they care about, you know, who is watching that football night in America show, the pregame show that leads up to it. They want the max amount of eyeballs to see Carrie Underwood sing. They want to get you those first sets of commercials, get you the halftime. Everything else, I'm I'm no TV exec, but I'm pretty sure the rates for advertising in the fourth quarter are different than they are in the first second. Oh, I'm sure they are. Nat- natural eyeballs, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I just generally hate primetime. I hate all those games. Sorry. And I, I think part of it is that all the coverage is bad. Across the board, Thursday, Friday, uh, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, if, uh, uh, I'm going to... It, it, it's it's hard. I mean, the, these networks are all so kind of tuned to be. This is the way we do things. We have to have this announcer who's a name, this color commentator who's a name, the sideline reporter, you know, the jump to the halftime show where there's 12 people who give a five second take. You know, it's it's all it's so regimented. Also the same. It's just unless somebody come and reinvents the wheel, that's just the way it is. I, I yeah I don't know I just I don't see as a as a fan I don't think that I get much out of this any of the scheduling changes as a fan of a particular team as a casual football viewer kind of but I also think that like I think on Monday night if I'm not doing anything I have the game on no matter how good or bad it is I think that you know assuming it's not my team so I don't think that like any of this does anything for me. I don't know if I'm alone in that. This isn't for us though. I understand. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So that's, I, that's... yeah, but I mean, so I I feel like uh, the ticket holder and I guess the regular fan, the football fan, they get nothing. Well, and... I guess you know my thing is I, I think it's a little bit for us too because we're the ones who go to games and if though if there's a if there's a Dallas Philly game or something, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to watch it on Sunday. Now I get a chance to see it. There's a more likely chance I'm going to see that game. I don't I'm think just... that was even a passing thought while peeing for them. Well, yeah, I, that don't... is very specific to you. I mean, right, like, a I lot mean, of people they, drive they know, many also... miles to get to a game, so they, they don't also make it know, They also know that that better matchup will get more eyeballs, too. So it's like, I'd like to watch that game because it's a better matchup. It's on there. More people are going to see it. Well, no shit. Duh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a, that's. A I'm just saying what what you said about like, oh, they might get the fan coming home from the game, like rush. I, I don't no, think that's gonna happen. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. I said it's better for me because I can I can watch oh. it, which I couldn't have seen before. Oh, so, okay. So just yeah, collateral yeah. damage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode. So stay tuned on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. For next episode, we're going to go through the next couple of episodes. We're going to be gone on vacation, so they're all pre-recorded. Uh, but they are um, in-depth looks at the draft picks in little chunks. Um, so you know what we think of them, the draft pick itself, the player over the spectrum of their rookie contract, and how they'll fit into the offense, defense, the roster, the team. Um, so that's going to come out over the next couple of weeks. Be sure to like and subscribe to. 
be notified of all that stuff. In addition to that, you can follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I'll probably still be tweeting even though I'm on vacation. And at the Cranky Fan, I don't know if you'll be tweeting during any American hours. I will be in Dubai, so uh, I'll probably limit my ranting and raving if I'm even still on Twitter anymore <laughs> uh, to the middle of the night while you guys are sleeping. So, um, you know, hopefully when I come back by Memorial Day, the Knicks are in the finals. Hopefully your Devils are in the Stanley Cup finals. Hopefully my Rays are 13 games in first. Hopefully the Yankees are still in last. So that's where we are. And uh, that's when we'll see you next. But you'll see us before then because of those extra episodes. All right. Until then, see you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go!